0: Well, we're super glad that you are with us for the best-smelling Father's Day in the history of humanity. Uh, I was in the the atrium for a couple of hours this morning while they were baking, and so I forgot how good it smelled, you know, because I was just kind of in that environment for a long time, and people were coming in, and they were just kind of entranced by the smell of the... The, the bacon and it's just fun that's all it is it's just for fun and if you don't like bacon don't be too concerned about it uh maybe next year we'll do a really healthy father's day like like tofu sunday or uh yeah quinoa sunday uh daniel plan sunday jocelyn how would that be daniel plan sunday next year okay we'll all do a, a health and fitness thing next year and uh, see, see, sometimes, Jocelyn, we need to see how much weight we can lose as a congregation and like how many miles we can walk in a week as a congregation. But this is not that day. This is <laughs> in the other side of the church. Just preach it. Preach the bacon. Preach the bacon. <laughs> settle down. Settle down. All right. Uh, you know, Mother's Day is all about appreciation, right? With the moms, it's all, it's all, it's like, you did it. Father's Day is all about encouragement. It's like, you can do it. (laughs) It's, it's just a little different, you know. You can get off that couch. Like, you can fix that bicycle, you know. You can mow that lawn. We believe in you. You can do it. Come on, you can do it. It just has a different tone to it. Always has. I find that interesting. Um, by the way, I expect this place to be packed to the rafters next Sunday for Leonard Anderson. And I won't take that personally. Um, I really do. That's going to be nuts. July and August is our summer series. Um, summer's not that long. Summer comes on a Saturday afternoon for about two hours. But, but ju- for the months of July and August, our summer series is called Going Viral. And uh, we'll probably be showing some funny viral videos uh, as well, and talking about what makes our lives and our church and following Jesus uh, something that that goes viral. It's gone viral for 2,000 years now. It's still going viral, and so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, why has the church gone viral since the resurrection of Jesus? And as I said earlier, no summer slumps. This church is running full steam ahead all summer long. We're not taking the summer off. And... And, I, and I'm going to say this, and I, and I, I stick by it. Um, I do invite you and challenge you to drive in from the trailer and the cottage and the beach and wherever you are. and get up early on Sunday morning and drive into and Westland and do church with your church family. I think it's important. And I know that there are, I know there's church at the beach, and I know that there's God in nature, and I know that just standing by the water, Pastor Tim, I just feel his presence all around me. I get it. I get it, but we, wanna, we would love to see you on Sunday morning. You, do, you okay? You all right? Four of you. Okay. All right. Uh, believe it or not, one of my favorite texts in Scripture actually involves bacon and a father. It's perfect for today. And it's Jesus teaching in Luke chapter 15 when the younger son, the prodigal son, asks his father for his, for his inheritance which is basically wishing his father was dead. And he gets it, and he wastes it on wild living, and he ends up begging a farmer to let him feed the pigs because he's, he's starving to death. He's wasted it all. And I've preached on this text a bunch of times, and, um, but, but, but Luke chapter 15 is, is just like, it's like good bacon. Once you get into it, you just can't stop. No one has ever had just one piece of bacon, ever, never. Not if it was good bacon. You had more. Um, and we usually focus on the younger son of the story who cashes out. He puts his family in a hard spot, and he takes the money, and he goes to Vegas. And we call him the prodigal because he, uh, he spends it all. He, he, he's lost. He spends it extravagantly in this wild living, wasting his life. And then he comes home. The older brother in the story, there's two brothers, there's the younger who wasted all, then there's the older brother who who is the responsible one, and he stays home. He doesn't leave home, but he, he, he is just as lost. Both brothers in the story are lost. And the older brother thinks that his good works should be enough to earn all the favor of his father. And the older brother throws his good record in front of the, the father and he says, Look at how good I've been. You know, I'm way better than than that, bum. And, and the fact that that the older brother thinks that he that there's only one lost son in the story, that it just magnifies that how lost the older brother really is. Like he's oblivious. He doesn't know how lost he really is. And Luke 15 shows us that you can be you can be lost from from uh, doing everything wrong, and and know it, and know like I am far from God. I am I am lost, and you. But you can also be lost if if you think that you are doing everything right, and you think that it's your good works, and you are going to earn your way. Reckless, careless living that doesn't that doesn't cut you off from God's grace because you can always come home. And being a a good, upright, squeaky clean kind of person that doesn't save your soul either. And both sons in the story uh, need their relationship with the father restored. So just to uh, continue my little recap here, not assume that everyone knows uh, Luke chapter 15 and knows the text that we're talking about. So Luke starts chapter 15 by telling us that the the most notorious sinners in town uh, were coming to Jesus to listen to him teach. Moncton Wesleyan is a place where anyone with any background in any situation can come and hear the teaching of Jesus. I love that. I love it. And so the the most notorious sinners were coming to Jesus to hear him teach. And then Luke says that the religious crowd was uncomfortable, that Jesus was so comfortable with sinful people. Jesus Comfort with sinners was making the religious crowd uncomfortable. He even ate with them. And so Jesus can tell that, that, you know, what's going on. And he tells them three parables about lost things to illustrate to them, to the Pharisees, that he came to seek and to save the lost. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. God loves lost people. Lost people matter to God. That's why an empty seat at Moncton Westland is a serious matter. Somebody needs that seat. Somebody needs to hear how much God loves them. That's why our vision is we're people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. Those seats are here so that people can hear how much God loves them. Um, That's why we don't drop our jaws at other people's sin. We open our arms. Right? We open our arms. (laughs) If you're a greeter and you're going to be shocked when certain people come through the door, don't be a greeter. That's not the way we want to greet people. We want them to know we are so glad that you are here and we don't care who you are, or where you've been or what you've done. We just want to love you and embrace you and welcome you to Mountain Wesleyan Church regardless of who you are. Because we know that we're all sinners in need of God's grace. Right? That's, that's what we know. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. And I envision a day when we have to do multiple services all weekend long because so many people are coming to Jesus. When people are co- I envision a day when people have to line up early just to get a seat in this place. We need, more, we need seats on seats because we want more souls in heaven. And when the church grows, it depopulates hell. And I'm into that. I'm into that. That's what I want. So in the third parable of Luke 15, Jesus tells them about a father who had two sons. And the younger says he, the younger son comes to him and says he wants his share of the family estate. He wants his, his father's wealth now. He's saying, I, I can't wait for you to die. You look Dad, you, cut, you look like you're going to live forever. So give me your debit card. I'm going to the bank, and I'm going to withdraw my share now. And the younger son takes the money, he heads to Vegas, and he blows it all on wild living. The money dries up, and so does the land. Luke tells us that, a, that, that Jesus said in the story that just when his money runs out, everything runs out. A famine hits the land. So he's broke, there's a famine, he's starving to death. And, and here's, the, here's the bacon part, in case you were wondering, you know, when is he going to get to it? He begs a farmer to hire him to feed pigs. And he's so hungry that even the, the scraps. Now, scraps in a good season are bad, but what are scraps in a famine? Right? Like, famine scraps can't be good. And, and he is so destitute that even the, the famine scraps that they're feeding the pigs look good to him. It's like my mama told me. Sin will take you further than you want to go and cost you more than you want to pay. Have a nice night with your friends. My father's, this is Father's Day. My, my dad's dead and gone now, but my father's advice was, don't let your mother see you. <laughs> it's so funny because I was writing this and I was thinking about mom's advice and I was thinking, well, what was dad's advice? And I could literally remember him saying, don't let her catch you. Go, 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 go. go." Okay. <laughs> Not good parenting advice, just just helping you get to know me a little bit better. And, and how, I, how I made it out of that, I don't know. But anyhow, here I am. One day, the younger son, Luke says, uh, Jesus says, the younger son comes to his senses, which reminds us this morning, church, don't ever, don't ever stop praying for spiritually lost people. This family thought the son was dead and gone. But don't ever give up. Don't ever stop praying for spiritually lost people. You never know when they're going to open their heart and their mind to the Father. And the scripture says he, just, he comes to his senses. And he says, I'm going home. I'm going to repent. And I'll tell my father that I've sinned against him. And I've sinned against heaven. And, and I'm, I'll tell him I'm not really worthy. And I'll be humble and I'll, and I'll ask him if I can be one of his servants. All right, let's pick it up with the old guy gets his glasses on. Luke 15, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, "Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son." His father said to the servants, "Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. chill the calf we have been fattening. We will <laughs> bacon. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back. He was told, your father's killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry. And he wouldn't go in. And his father came out and begged him. But he replied, All these years, I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. his father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Now remember the context. Jesus is speaking to the arm-folded, eye-rolling, half-disgusted religious scoffers, the Pharisees. And he he wants this crowd, this crowd of, of Pharisees that are, uncomfortable with Jesus being comfortable with sinners, Jesus wants them to reimagine the Father's love for them. Wouldn't it be good this morning if every person in this room reimagined how great the Father's love is for you? How how great God loves you. And Jesus is giving them a, a new vision of how loving how gracious and how merciful the Father really is. The Pharisees are like the older brother in the story. They're the ones who, who think um, they're going to get in on good behavior. God is going to accept them on good behavior. And they're not concerned with lost younger brothers. Uh, they'll get what they deserve, those lost younger brothers. They they made their bad choices, those lost younger brothers. And Jesus wants us to see that that God is waiting for us. That God is watching down the lane of your life. Waiting and watching for you to come home. You see, good fathers love their children no matter what. And they never lose hope. And they keep praying. And they keep watching. The middle part of verse 20 says that the father was filled with love and compassion he was filled with with love and compassion when it's 6 a.m on saturday morning and a two-year-old is jumping on your bed or when the kids play road hockey with your new set of golf clubs parenting is a never-ending opportunity to show love and compassion we all get tired. We all get frustrated and frazzled. We're all human. And it's hard to raise kids without raising your voice and raising your blood pressure. But try to remember that the things that drive you nuts today will be things that you laugh about down the road. We need to help people get an image of God, a God who is who is watching out the window, and, and, and he's just... He's just ready. He's waiting for us to turn and look towards home. And and he's ready to to run down the lane of your life. Ready to sprint towards you. You see, most people picture God with either a big stick or a lightning bolt. Ready to get them. Not ready to embrace them. God is is waiting to, to unleash his grace. He wants to pounce on people with love. All around, a couple of weeks before Easter, we did um, some some door hangers, some Easter invites. And we encouraged you to take them around your neighborhood. And I grabbed a stack of them one day, and I, and I prayed over them. And I went out into my neighborhood. And I had, I had some terrific encounters with people. It was God-ordained encounters. It was awesome. But this one family had had posters up all over our neighborhood for a lost cat. And this was a special kitten. And there was a little story on it, why this kitten made, meant so much to them. And there was a $1,000 reward for the lost kitten. That's quite a kitten. And I said to my wife, I'm going to find that cat. <laughs> and I knew the family, so I knew right away I, was, I, was, I wasn't going to take the reward. I just knew I was going to find the cat. And I walked the dog around the neighborhood every day, several times, some days, two or three times a day. And I, and I was really peeled, like, like, like really alert. I'm, I'm going to find this cat. And the day I was doing these door knockers, I went and put one at this house and, uh, uh, where the missing cat was. And about three houses up the road, I'm putting one on the person's door and I hear a meow. And I said, hey, kitty, <laughs> I knew I was going to find you. And uh, this little thing had been lost for like 10 days or something like that. And, I mean, it was just skin and bones, and it, it, you know, staggers over and rubs up against my leg. And um, a man comes to the door, and I said, is this, your, is this your cat? And I knew it wasn't, but I had to say something because I was standing at his front door with a cat. And he says, no, that's not my cat. And I said, yeah, I, this, is, this, is, I, this is the $1,000 kitten. I got it. And I, kn- I know where this cat goes. And so, um, and then I told him about Easter and all that and invited him out. And, and I went back down the house with this missing cat in my arms. And the owner of the cat sees me coming. And I hear her squeal. She scream, you know, like a good scream. And she comes bolting out the door Um, in her bare feet. And as you know, like winter just ended yesterday. And and so back then, right, in all the snow, and she comes bolting out the door in her bare feet. Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim, you found my cat. And uh, so we have this great reunion and we take the cat inside the house and it's all good. And and I said, don't even try to give me the the reward. I'm not taking it. And she said, well, I think I know where I can make a pretty good donation. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, We'll give it to Haiti or something like that. Church will take a donation if you want to do that, but I'm not not taking it. How much more does our Heavenly Father rejoice when He's watching out the window of your life and He sees you coming up the lane after you've been lost and He's missed you and He loves you more than you could possibly imagine? I mean, she almost came through a picture window for a kitten. Now, Nothing against kittens, but it's a kitten. How much more does your heavenly father rejoice over one who comes home? i um, borrowing some of the characteristics of the father in the story because it's Father's Day, but, but Jesus wasn't giving a lecture on parenting. That wasn't the point. He's painting a picture of salvation. Okay, let's pick it up again in verse 22. Do we have the verses on the screen? Because I don't need my glasses when I look at the big TV. But if I'm down... Hey, I can see that. Okay. But his father said to the servants, Quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet kill the calf which we have been fattening we must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life he was lost but now he is found so the party began uh, the son comes home and he gets a robe and he gets a ring and he gets all you can eat ribs a robe a ring, the fattened calf, and all-you-can-eat ribs. Sounds like a great Father's Day to me. Maybe we'll do ribs next year. No, I already, made, I already told Jocelyn we wouldn't. Okay. And he, he trades his guilt, his regret... And all of his losses. Think about this, this transaction that happens. Think about all that's going through his mind when he returns home. I mean, honestly, maybe you felt this way when, when you drove up to church this morning and you were walking towards the church. Maybe, maybe you had some some fears and, and maybe you you know had a lot of things going through your head, but but think about the transaction that happens. He trades his his guilt, his regret. In all of his losses, he trades them for a robe, a ring, and a feast. In Romans chapter 13, Paul uses the image of of us taking off our old robes as as an illustration of of take off the old way that you used to live. Paul says, remove uh, your dark deeds, the things that you used to do in the night, and step into the day uh, as children of the light. Clothing ourselves, Paul says this in Romans 13, Clothing ourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what the father is doing with his son who comes home. He's wrapping him with his presence. He's clothing him with dignity and respect. It's the father's way of saying to the son that the old is gone. You are completely forgiven. When people look at you, I don't want them to remember the old you. Or how you were living. I want them to see you as a picture of forgiveness and restoration. I'm wrapping you. I'm clothing you with the finest robes. See, only your heavenly father can redeem you and power wash your soul. Only your heavenly father can, can forgive everything that you've ever done. Can, can wipe it all away. And can, can clothe you. can wrap you. can surround you with his love and his forgiveness. It's the greatest trade you'll ever get in your whole entire life. You will never get a better offer than grace. You might get some good deals and some good offers in this life, but you'll never get a better offer than grace. You can't beat it. Selfishness is starvation. Salvation is a feast. This is one of the things that we learn in, this, in Luke chapter 15. He, he cashes in. He puts the family in a hard spot. He takes the money. He blows it away. And he starves. Selfishness is, is empty. Living for yourself. Is is empty. It'll never it'll never satisfy. But the Luke fifteen shows us that that all what all that God has for us it's a, it's an unending feast. What God wants to do in our lives and bless us and 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 uh, give us every good thing that we need. You can be selfish and live for yourself. It waste your life on yourself. And, and be starving to death spiritually. Your freezer might be full, and your cupboards might be full, but you're starving, empty, starving to death spiritually. You can spend your whole life climbing the ladder, only to realize in the end that the ladder was against the wrong wall. The most dads want to, uh, want to provide. You know, most men are providers. And, and men are often driven to compete and to succeed. But you cannot do that at the the sake of of everything else. What good is it to get a gold watch from the company and not know your kids? You get one opportunity to raise your children, one. Any other parents in the room, uh, parents, go ahead, raise your hand. Parents, come on. Parents, come on. Parents, parents. Any other parents in the room notice how two kids from the same parents can be completely different? I got two of them. Look at this chapter, like they are completely, totally different. You have this, the free spirit son, right? The younger son is the free spirit who who risks it all and loses. And then you got the bean counter upright older brother who stays home and tries to earn his way in to the father. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And his father comes out and begged him, is that it? Is that the end of verse 28? Verse 28. Yeah, it is. That's the end of verse 28. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. So, again, the context with Pharisees, the iron folded, eye rolling uh, Pharisees standing there in disgust. Jesus shows them that this father would even, that their father, that their heavenly father, would even would even beg them to come in, to come in and join the feast. God will go to any length. God would God loves you so much. Imagine that He would even send His only Son, Jesus, to die on a cross and take my punishment, your punishment, to make it possible. For us to come home. And Jesus gives them this image. Of this father pleading with the older brother. Pleading with him. Won't you come into the feast? Won't you come and join us in the party? We want you to be a part of the family. God is a father. Who forgives the children that get way off course. And they make a mess. And they return humbly. Wanting to be restored. And he also he also loves the proud and the arrogant and those who don't think they've done any wrong and think that their good lives, their good works will be enough. Jesus shows us a patient, kind, long-suffering, gentle father who pleads with us because he doesn't want us to miss the feast. He wants us all to come home. Okay, thirty-one, thirty-two. His father said to him, Look, dear son, You've always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. And we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead. And he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like Tim guptel Go ahead and put your name in there. That saved... A wretch, go ahead and put your name and say your name. Go ahead, that saved a wretch like, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Maybe today is the day that you would want to turn and come home, come back to the Father. Turn your heart towards Him, towards God. Just turn. He'll see you coming. And God will sprint towards you. And God will embrace you. And God is he's not going to take every wrong thing that you've done and just, and just heap it on you and heap it on you and heap it on you. That's not what we see in the story. All God does, he wants to give you the best. And he gives you a robe and he gives you a ring. And he says, we're so glad. Let's have a party. Let's feast because you're home. He just wants to forgive and make it right. One of the ways we give people the opportunity to do this at Bunkton Wesleyan is by uh, standing to their feet in a crowd of, of people. I, uh, earlier this week, I was with a couple gentlemen from the Billy Graham Association. And they were asking me about uh, our church. And I was telling them that a couple years ago, we started inviting people to stand to their feet. And this is the Billy Graham Association, and their eyes got big. And they said, and people do that? I said, yeah, like all the time. And they said, we don't know another church in Canada that, that gives an invitation like that. And I think, well, I, I, I just, it's just God's blessing it. He's, he's using it. And it's not, it's not to, it's not about us, right? It's not about us. It's about, it's about sons and daughters coming home and receiving the love of the Father. That's, that's what it's about. And so we'll keep doing it as long as, uh, as, long as God keeps, keeps blessing it. Maybe this morning, this is, it's your time to, to come home and turn and come back to the Father. And every time that somebody stands, uh, we don't kill the fattened calf, um, but we applaud. Just like this text says, you know, welcome to the party. And we applaud, we celebrate what God is doing in their lives And um, so let me pray for us. And then I'm going to give a bold invitation. And I'm just going to ask, is there anyone here this morning who would like to come home to the Father and and, uh, have him give you a brand new start today? You're accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you want to live for him and with him for the rest of your life. Let me pray. I'm going to ask that question. And if that's you this morning, we're going to invite you to stand. Jesus, I just thank you this morning, Lord, for, you, for your presence being here in a powerful way, for you leading us weeks in advance to, uh, to share your truth. And God, I know that you've brought uh, exactly the right people here this morning. And Lord, maybe there are some that you're speaking to and you're, you're calling them. You're pleading with them to come home. You're asking them to return. And God, if there's anyone here this morning who is separated from you and they realize that, and today is the day that they want uh, their Heavenly Father to run down the lane of their life and embrace them and restore them. God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to stand here this morning as they invite you into their heart, as they simply say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. I'm inviting you to come into my life. I believe that you are God's son. And I want to follow you and serve you with the rest of my life. Make me your child today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.